Thank you. Please be seated. So we've been talking about why religion doesn't work, and we're going to finish that up today. And, and bottom line is this, is if we come to the realization that religion is about what I do, and following Jesus is about what God does, right? And so that's really kind of the bottom line of it all. Religion focuses on what I can accomplish, and following Jesus focuses on what God accomplishes through me. So we're going to continue on, and uh, we're going to wrap it up today, and, and as we get to the sixth chapter of Galatians, we're going to see that um, uh, Paul gives some encouragement about how to interact with other people. What does that look like for followers of Jesus, and uh, what does, how does religion do it, and then how does following Jesus interact with other people? So if you would, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. It's on page 1171 if you're using the Pew Bible. Galatians 6, 1 through 10, page 1171. And again, Paul is writing to the churches in the province of Galatia. He is confronting the Judaizers who are Jewish Christians that want the non-Jewish Christians to become Jewish and, uh, and, and follow the law and the rules of Judaism. And Paul has been uh, basically attacking that throughout this whole letter. So Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the, their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. All right, several things that I want to point out here in this passage that I think will be very helpful for us in understanding how religion and the gospel work differently. So in verse 1, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. One of the differences between religion and following Jesus or the gospel is this. In religion, when someone messes up, there's a tendency in religion to cut all ties with them. There's a tendency in religion to say, you've messed up, you've embarrassed us, we don't want any part with you anymore, we're done with you, get out. Religion has a tendency to so follow the rules that once we're embarrassed, we don't want to participate with you anymore. The gospel, as Paul said, is about restoration. It's about restoration. It's about reconnecting people to Christ. It's about making sure that their soul is back with God and connected with God the way that it should be. The gospel is about taking those people who blow it and restoring their soul to God. Restoring it gently, Paul says. 
See, here's what I've discovered. When people mess up in the faith, when they mess up as Christians and they blow it big and they bring embarrassment to the Christian faith, they already feel horrible about it. But somehow we look at them sometimes and we want to just pile on and pile on and pile on when the truth is the goal is to restore. To restore and make that relationship with God new. Dallas Willard said this, and, and very significant, I think, when he talked about people who, who do those huge things that make the church look bad. He said, the problem is not what they've done. It's that their soul is in such a condition that it would allow them to do it. You see, and sometimes we forget that we're on a spiritual journey. It's not a physical journey, it's a spiritual journey, and we just happen to be carried around in bodies. So I, I want to, to help us to understand this. Um, we recently, or in the last couple of years, we were given a table by, an extent, by our extended family that had been in a storage unit for a lot of years. Now, I don't know if you have taken furniture that's been in a storage unit for a lot of years, uh, but particularly if it's not air-conditioned, uh, it, it gets to be a mess. Has anybody else experienced this? Animals decide to live in it? I mean, little, little critters, not big critters. Little critters. And so we got this table, and it was really kind of a mess. So my thought was, let's get rid of it. Uh, my wife's thought is, let's restore it. Okay. So I'll do my best, get, take my two tools, and, uh, and go out and see what I can. So... Um, we took the legs were real loose, so we got new bolts, and we tightened the legs. We had to use some wood glue in certain places, and, and, uh, and so we got it all cleaned up, and then we sanded the whole thing, and uh, that was, we had to borrow a sander, but it was really fun, and we sanded the whole thing, and then we painted the legs white, and then did something, I don't forgot what it's called, to make it look older, and then we flipped it over, and we, um, we stained the top. Now, there's something about that table that is true, it is never going to be as wonderful as it was on the day it was purchased. It still wobbles just a little if you push it right. And, and it's never going to be as perfect as it was the day it left the store. It's just not going to be. However, it is very usable. It is very usable. Spiritually, people make mistakes. In fact, people blow it. And it's funny, and, and I hate it that I have to say this, but I was trained in the old school. And the old school said, if you were a minister and you either steal money or you cheat on your spouse, you are done with ministry and you should never participate in it again. That's what we were taught, right? And there was never, though, another conversation about restoration. How do you deal with those people who mess up? And how do you bring them back? Well, just like that table, I think sometimes a lot of people who are religious, they look at the table and say, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Let's just get a new table. But in following Christ, you see potential. That there's someone there who can be used. So I, I want you to hear me in this. And, and sometimes people disqualify themselves from service and disqualify themselves from ministry because, well, I've just done too much bad. There's no way God can use me. There's no way I can be a part. But, but hear, let me hear this clearly. Your past does not nullify your ability to be used by God. Amen. Never. Your past does not nullify your ability to be used by God. 
And so I, I think it's huge for us to realize that this idea of restoration, that, that in the gospel, God has called us to help people who have gone astray to get back on the path. Not to condemn, they already feel the condemnation, but to love them back to relationship with God. Now having said that, there are some people who don't want to be restored. Can't help that. But the call is restoration. And that's one of the big differences in religion and the gospel. Well, the second thing here, we keep reading. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Verse 4, each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Here's another thing that religion does that is so bad. Religion determines how good we are doing based on how we compare ourselves to other people. See, in religion, I can always find somebody who is doing worse than I am. All you gotta do is read the paper, right? All you gotta do is look around a little bit, and you can always find someone who is doing worse than you are. And so if the goal is just to be better than someone else, man, that's easy. And that's what religion does. We look in the mirror and we say, well, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm better than Gary. Or at least I'm better than that person or this person. At least I'm outshining them. And religion says that the goal is to compare myself to other people and make myself better than they are. And if I do that, I win. Because if I'm better than they are, I'm good to go. Paul says, listen, don't compare yourselves to others. That shouldn't be who we compare ourselves to at all. In fact, the reality is we should compare ourselves to Jesus. Who suddenly gets hard. Because when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we realize we have a long way to go. I've been chasing Jesus a long time. And here's what I've discovered in chasing Jesus all these years, <laughs> decades, not centuries, but decades, <laughs> is that the harder I chase, the further away he seems. H hear what I'm saying? The closer I get to God, the more I realize how far away I am from him. I'm a full-time project. I had a long way to go. And sure, I can find people who live the Christian life worse than I do, but that's not my problem, that's theirs. See, I've discovered in my own life that I'm a very religious driver. And I'm not a grace-centered driver. And what I mean by that is that there are a lot of people who don't drive well. They don't live up to my law and my standard on how they should drive. Now, I don't know what happened Monday. Monday, we had a whole bunch of people in the hospitals, and I was driving all over the city. And I don't know what happened on Monday, but somebody opened the door and let all the crazies out. Because Monday, they, it was terrible. There wasn't anybody driving right. They were cutting each other off. I even got chewed out by a lady. I didn't hear what she said, thankfully. I just saw her through the window. And she chewed me out for something she did. And I'm like, what? How do you do that? I mean, my thought was I want to catch up with her and just wave and smile and mouth things. But anyway, that's a different point. So 
So, so I realized that, man, this idea of competing with other people in our relationships and our faith is, is such a natural thing to do because people don't do things the way we think that they should. But when they don't, it's like, yeah, I'm better than that person. But this comparative religion is not what it's all about. This has been a struggle for Christianity from the start. Uh, there's a story in John chapter 4 that John the Baptist's disciples, um, they got upset one day. And they noticed that Jesus and his disciples were baptizing more people than John the Baptist was. And they became angry about that. And they went to John and said, John, this new guy's doing better than you are. What are we going to do about this? John, we have to intervene because this Jesus guy is getting more followers than you. And that's not good. And John's response was so classic. He said, you can only get whatever God gives you. And he must become greater, and I must become less. You see, John got this reality that it was not about John. It was about something much bigger than him. And so I think we have to understand in our faith that this journey is not about what I look like to the rest of the world. It's not about people being impressed with me. It's about living for an audience of one, and his name's Jesus. He's the only one I have to please. He's the only one I have to pursue. I don't have to be better than you. You don't have to be better than me. I have to chase after Jesus and let him be happy with me. But it's so easy the other way. If you keep reading, you see in, in verse 9, Paul says, don't get tired of doing good. And, and it gets tiring to chase after Jesus and realize because it's so much easier to compare myself to somebody else. It's so much easier to see how much better I am than them and to focus there and, and not have to worry about chasing after Jesus because it's easier to just get ahead of someone else. But the bottom line is this. I am responsible, according to Paul, according to all the scripture, to compare myself to the one and only. And when I do that, I have so, so far to go. I don't have time to worry about beating everyone else in the race. Because my goodness, I look in the mirror and realize I'm a huge project. All right, well, Paul goes on and he says one more thing that is very important in verse 10. And he says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul says, it is normal for followers of Jesus to be good to all people. Now, let's think about that for a minute. It's normal for us to be good to all people. When I read Facebook, when I read the paper, when I read news articles online, it seems to me we're having a hard time being good to all people. Is it just me that sees that, or is that true for everybody else? Being good to all people is not a natural thing for us in our culture right now. Something we don't do well at all. And yet Paul says it's normal for those of us who are being led by the Spirit, those of us who follow Jesus, it's normal for us to be good to all people. So let me tell you a little bit what that looks like. That means that every conversation I have, the goal should be to edify that person. To build that person up. He said in Ephesians, Paul did, 429, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that will edify those who hear it. Lip, build them up, lift them up. 
So as we interact with people, if we're doing good to people, when we interact with them, we should be building them up with our words. So in other words, and Paul said this in another place, when we bump into people, we should be so full of Christ's love that Christ's love spills on them. So I wonder, when you think about your life and you think about the interactions you have, every time you have a conversation, something spills on them. What is it that spills on them? Is it anger? Is it disdain? Is it hate? Where's the love of Christ? You see, it's normal for followers of Jesus when they bump into people for the love of Christ to spill onto them. And so I ask you, and I've asked myself this, what, myself this week, what is it that spills onto others? Is it love and grace? Or is it standoff, standoffishness? When we started this year, we, we got our goals down to three words. Uh, to invest, invite, and immerse. And the first part of that is we were blessed last year financially, and so we decided to give money away to different organizations that help Murray Hill. And, and that's been happening. And I gotta tell you, it's been a blast to be a part of watching the faces of people when we give them money. Um, because we, I'll go to their meetings, and they're expecting me to say, we're gonna give you $25. And then I'll throw out a $1,000 number or a $2,000 number, and it's just like, they're about to pass out. Anyway, um, Jay and Stacy and I went down to, to Upson Elementary a couple weeks ago, and we met with the principal and the assistant principal. And so uh, we did the big spiel, uh, just told them we, we love Ruth Upson Elementary, and we're excited about who you guys are, we wanna help you out. So I wanna give you two things. First, here's a list of people who want to volunteer, and second is a check for $2,000. And you would have thought, silence is what we got. Silence and shock, because they were expecting a very small number. And so, uh, but we did that, we had that conversation, and it was just a fun time. Well, this week we got a card in the mail, and it's signed by the teachers and the staff there at Upson. I want to just read you, they're just short comments, I want to read you some of the comments that they, they have. Thank you for all you do for our little school. Wow, you all are the best. We appreciate you. Thank you for your generous support. Thank you so much for your kind and generous gift. We love and appreciate all of your support. Thank you for all that you do for our school and our students. Thank you so much for all you're doing. We appreciate all you do. Thank you for your continued support. And then my favorite, we love Murray Hill Baptist. And I look at that, and we didn't give them money so that we would get a card or that they would be impressed with us. But I want to point out that when we splash love on people, it changes them. When we splash love on people, it matters. Paul said to do good to all people, especially those inside the family, starting with us. And, and I think that's a teaching of the Scripture because people outside of the family look and say, wow, there's love there. They care for each other. They meet each other's needs. I need that in my life. And obviously, I think he says that we should love those outside the family of faith because they need Jesus. 
And so as we go through this journey called life, we interact with people, we talk with people, we have conversations with people, we do things for and with people. What is it they leave from, when they leave us, what do they feel? Do they feel loved? And that's a question we need to be honest and ask ourselves. You see, religion, it doesn't matter what they feel as long as they think our religion's awesome. But in the gospel, they need to feel Jesus' love because he's what matters most. So as we wrap up this series, I wanna go over the chart one more time with you that we started with and uh, just remind you of, of, of these things, the difference between the religion and the gospel. Religion says, I think I can. The gospel says, I know I can't. It says, I'm fully dependent on Christ to be who he wants me to be. Religion says to other people, live like us. The gospel says, follow Jesus as you embrace your uniqueness. God made us all differently and went to a lot of trouble to make that happen, so we should embrace the uniqueness that he gave us. Religion says, it's us against the world. The gospel says, we're here for the world. Religion says, typically, the focus on God's judgment. The gospel says to focus on God's mercy. Religion says, compare yourself to other people. As we talked about today, the gospel says, compare yourself to Jesus. Religion says, follow the law and tradition. Jesus said, follow the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the overarching question for the whole series. Which one are you? Which one are you? If you find yourself on the religion side, I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to chase after Jesus until you find yourself in the gospel camp. Religion's not gonna change the world, but the gospel will. Let's pray.